Hi, friends. Welcome to Deep Dive, my brand new podcast born from a desire for critical thought, vulnerability, and awareness. I'm your host, Dana Falsetti, a thinker, a writer, a yoga teacher, an activist, an authenticity agent. Each month, you'll hear from me and my guests, ranging from iconic disruptors to everyday people, all candidly sharing our personal experiences on topics ranging from sexuality to social justice and consciousness to capitalism. Deep Dive is a space to tackle hard-hitting questions and controversial topics in a raw, empathetic, and curious way. And it's my space to rant and ramble freely, no holding back. Let's dive in. Hi, all. Welcome to my podcast. I'm recording this first episode right now before I've even come up with a name for the series, so excuse me for not introducing it properly. You know, I wasn't always big. When I was little, I wasn't always big. Slowly but surely, I I would say around age 10, right, my parents got separated and I hit puberty very young. And there are all of these different reasons that I could attribute to you know, how I built up certain defense mechanisms in my life and and all of those things. But at the end of the day, we all have bullshit and it's all relative as well. And all that really matters is how we choose to sort of take that on and, and learn from it as we get older. So around age 10, my parents were separating and I was hitting puberty super young. And I went to a school, an amazing school, Quaker school, with very few children um, in each class, one class per grade, 20 kids in a class. So in the same room with the same other 19 kids for years and years and years. And half of the class was girls. So my body started changing before everybody else in the class. And it was pretty obvious. I was the first one with hips. I was the first one to wear a training bra. And I essentially looked pretty much the way that I look now by the time I was maybe 12 or 13 years old. So definitely had a woman's body, um, but was very much still a girl. And so many things started to sort of get in the way of my identity and and who I actually was. So I was always really into fashion and makeup and things that lots of young girls are into and and preteens and and young teens. And I had subscriptions to all of the magazines and uh, I loved to watch like YouTube beauty gurus and all of these things. And it didn't take very long for me to realize that nobody who looked like me, nobody with my body type was really being represented. And if they were being represented, it was in a negative way. It was how not to look like me, right? So the ideal was this tall, thin, blonde, fit, stereotypically attractive woman that we were all trying to appeal to. And I saw it in all of these different areas of my life. And of course, it wasn't until later that I realized the impact that these things had on me. But I was absorbing it from every direction, from magazines, the media, billboards, television, everything. And it was super ingrained. Um, I, I couldn't even shop where I wanted to shop, right? My other three best friends loved um, Abercrombie and Hollister and I couldn't wear any of them. They didn't have my size. And and every once in a while, I would fit into an extra large in a shirt or like a, a sweater or a cardigan or something that was open and I could get away with. And it was like the greatest thing in the world for me to be able to wear a Hollister shirt because of what that said, right? It meant that I was a little bit closer to being acceptable and worthy and fitting into this bubble and this box that was created uh, to, to make other people feel like outliers. And, and so I was marginalized in this way for this body that I had. And 
and was very quiet about it because I didn't realize what was happening and I didn't realize that it wasn't normal because it was just so normal to me and to everyone around me for me to kind of feel this shame. And of course, there's a difference between, you know, everybody experiences body shame and and dealing with self-confidence and all of these issues personally. But there's a difference between that and the way that people actually treat you based on your body and the way that you look and all of those things. That, you know, not being able to buy the clothes and not seeing myself represented in, in the media and clothing and brands and all of these things, there was that whole aspect of it. And then this whole other aspect of uh, the the positive attention that I was getting very early on from men, right, and not really understanding that, um, having a womanly body at age 12, 13, and getting attention in all of these really strange ways, right? So not really fitting in and feeling shame, but also getting this weird positive attention that I really didn't want and wasn't ready for and just, you know, basically landed me in, in a little identity crisis. And along the way, I developed an eating disorder. I had developed a binge eating disorder. And it wasn't something that I recognized that I was dealing with until much later in my life because um, it just slowly kind of crept up on me until it was just, again, an ingrained normal part of my experience. And and I think back to, you know, I consider an eating disorder to be like an addiction. And it's something that I always deal with, right? Because the triggers are always there. And it's me managing my responses and my reactions to those things. But I didn't have the ability to do that, especially because I didn't have a sense of self when I was younger. And so food was my outlet. But I would never eat in front of anybody, never overeat in front of anybody, because I barely felt like I could actually eat in front of people. Because living in a larger body, I felt shame about even eating food. So I would go home at night, and I would eat everything in in the kitchen. I would eat everything I could find in the fridge until I felt sick. And then I would keep eating, and I couldn't stop myself. And I didn't even really recognize at all what I was doing. And I think that it was this, it was this crying out for help and and wanting to feel something because I was so disconnected from myself and from my body and not wanting to associate as even being in my body. You know, I was so cut off from that and I think I just wanted to feel. And then at the same time, it was it was torture for myself. I was shaming myself for not having control and for not fitting in. And and that went on for years and years and, and slowly but surely it also turned into, you know, dieting and crash dieting and chasing... Um, that ideal, that body type, that tall, thin, blonde image that I had around me all of the time. And that's what I wanted because I thought that that's what was going to make me happy. And I had every reason to think that because they, and when I say they, I mean kind of, you know, the media and the people who perpetuate these things, that's what they want. So I spent years from age probably 12 all the way up through just a few years ago now. I'm 24 now. I spent those years dieting and exercising and personal trainers and fat camp and everything that you could think of weight watchers over and over and over again trying to lose weight and not really for my health and not for any reason other than I wanted to be normal whatever that means I wanted to fit in and I wanted to be seen as worthy and I thought that I needed that worth and that validation to come from outside myself And so I chased it and I chased it and I chased it. And it wasn't that I couldn't lose weight. I would lose weight every single time that I tried 20 pounds, 30 pounds, 40 pounds. And I would gain it back every single time. And I couldn't figure out what was wrong with me and why 
it seemed like I was just sort of doomed to be miserable and unhappy because I was never going to fit into this box. I was never going to fit into um, this picture of sort of the perfect, happy woman that we're constantly bombarded with. And and it, it shamed me. And it shamed me to the point of slowly chipping away at my self-worth that I already didn't have. Every single time I would lose and gain weight, it would chip away just a little bit more until I was essentially left feeling like I had no idea who I was and I had no concept of self-worth and um, I was lost. And so I got to my freshman year of college and at that point I had lost and gained significant amount, significant amounts of weight and hadn't kept it off and, and hadn't found a way to sort of be cool with myself in any way. I was so far from that at that point. And I didn't realize even that that's what I needed because I was so fixed on that external validation that that's really all I was seeking. And I found it in a whole variety of ways. I found it through food. I found it through sex. I found it through any any of these fleeting ways to to feel something, something. I chased that. And I chased it until I got to that freshman year of college and Essentially, I weighed myself and I had surpassed another milestone, like another weight gain milestone that I hadn't hit yet. And it was a new one. And I was at my heaviest at that point, And I was definitely very depressed. I can look back and see now that I was very depressed, but I didn't know at the time. And, and nobody ever really asked, honestly. I mean, people saw that I needed to lose weight and people wanted me to be healthy and certainly happy. But there was never the distinction made of like, what is wrong? What's actually going on? Do you need help? And, and I never asked for it. I was always the strong, independent person. And I am that person in many ways, but I also needed help and didn't know how to ask for it. And because the way that we view and, and deal and talk about fat bodies in this society, nobody asked me either because all of this is, again, so normalized. I hit that heaviest weight, and then I spent the next year and a half actively trying to really lose weight. I had decided that that was going to be the year. It was going to be it. I was going to get thin and be happy, and everything in my life was going to be better. And I did that. So I worked out, and I dieted, and I did this for, again, about a year, maybe a year and a half, and I lost about 100 pounds. And it's not that I didn't feel better Um, I did feel better in my body. I mean, it was easier to move and there were definitely benefits to that weight loss, but it certainly didn't have the significant huge overhaul change that I was anticipating. And so I was left feeling kind of cheated and really lost in a way that I hadn't felt before, even though I always felt that way and confused. And I think it's the first time that I started to not feel a shift in my reality yet, but starting to question it. Because what I had thought was true, that if I could be smaller and be stereotypically attractive, and what does that even mean? Who am I constantly trying to appease? Like, whose concept of attractive men, media, whatever? I felt cheated because I did that and I still wasn't happy. And I didn't know at the time that It was because I didn't have any self-worth and I I didn't have any validation that came from within, but it took time for me to get to that point. But going through that whole process of trying to live up to that standard and actually almost meeting that standard in a lot of ways and then still not being happy was hugely eye-opening for me. 
so after all of that happened and and of course people in my life right everybody in my life was like you look so great now and aren't you happier now and not with any malice just straight ignorance in in the same way that I was I I thought I should be happier and people looked at me and thought I should be happier uh, because my body had changed which is crazy but it's true so after that and I was kind of at my lowest point I came home this was after my sophomore year of college I came home to New Hope, Pennsylvania. I went to school in New Orleans at Loyola University. And I was home for the summer. There was a yoga studio by my house that had a, a summer special for students. It was like 99 bucks for the whole summer to take unlimited classes, which if you know how expensive yoga is, that's an amazing deal. So I signed up for those classes just, just to try something new. Again, I, you know, I was tired of the gym. I was kind of tired of myself and just tired of the whole the whole shtick and I knew that I needed something different. So I went to yoga, certainly not thinking that it was going to change my life or enlighten me or send me on this crazy path that I've been down the last few years, but that's exactly what happened. So, you know, I went into this class and I went to a beginner or maybe it wasn't a beginner. I think it was an all levels Anusara class. And if you're familiar with yoga, if you practice Anusara is a lot like vinyasa, it's just a slower pace. So you're in the postures for more breaths than you would be in a vinyasa class. And, and it's a little more accessible in that sense. And the teacher was a little bit older and had a slightly larger body. And there were lots of older students in the class. So I had sort of a non-traditional uh, first yoga class experience in that way. But I was still one of the biggest people in the room and I was still the beginner and I still had all of the negative self-talk that I had my whole life with me in that class and it's kind of funny I remember the first class and it, it, it kind of felt like the epitome of my whole life at that point right I felt like the odd one out in many ways and I couldn't do anything and I remember being like what the fuck because I had just lost all this weight I was strong. I I had gone to the gym and I had this misconception of what yoga was, that it's just stretching and it was easy. And so many people think that before they try it. And then I couldn't hold down dog. My shoulders were on fire. And then child's pose, which was supposed to be come home to child's pose, they say, you know, not my home. My ass is in the air. My weight is coming forward on my face. It's not comfortable at all. And it's supposed to be the easiest posture. Meanwhile, you know, the person next to me is like jumping back from crow. And then the person to my other side is doing the optional headstand. And all of these things are going on. And and meanwhile, I'm in my head like, you don't belong here. And you're never going to be able to do this. And you're never going to be able to be strong enough to do any of this. How are you going to hold yourself upside down? There's no way. And I had this whole dialogue going on that I had my whole life of unworthiness and trying to minimize myself um, out of fear of what other people were going to think and the perception of others and, and even to keep other people comfortable, right? Like as a fat person in the car, in the backseat with my friends, right, trying to take up as little space as possible or on public transit and making myself really small so that I don't impede on the space of the person next to me. All of these things were an ingrained part of my experience and they were right in my face in this yoga class. And I recognized my negative self-talk and and the class was not great for me. I mean, I was left feeling pretty defeated and, and feeling pretty, um, pretty much the way I felt my whole life. Uh, and so you're probably wondering why I continued to practice if it sucked so much. So for me, um, 
it was pride in the beginning. It, it was the need for that external validation and feeling like I had something to prove to everyone around me that kept me going. So I went back and I practiced and I practiced a lot and I practiced at home and I practiced all the time. And throughout the whole thing, I'm still, t I'm still shit talking myself. I'm like trying to do crow. It's this arm balance. It's usually the first arm balance that people try. I'm trying to do this and I'm telling myself I'm never going to be able to do it. And I'm falling on my face and I'm falling on my face and I'm shit talking myself. And this cycle is going on for many weeks, right? Many weeks. And I'm like obsessively practicing yoga at this point. And it's funny because I now also recognize that I have this impulsive and addictive personality and that the same traits that led me to a binge eating disorder are probably the same things that led me to kind of gung-ho this yoga practice. So always keeping in mind that you're your best traits and your worst traits are the same. And the context is always just different. It's interesting. But anyway, so I'm like doing this whole thing and I've got this internal dialogue going on the entire time until slowly but surely things started to shift for me. So it was little changes in the beginning, right? It's like you're trying to do the arm balance and all of a sudden you feel a little bit stronger and maybe like one toe comes up off the ground or you're in down dog you know, for the zillionth time and all of a sudden you don't feel like you have to collapse or your shoulders feel a little bit stronger or whatever it is. And so as I continued to practice, I started getting these little glimpses of what might be possible. And they were all of these things that I had already decided were going to be impossible for me because of my body. And, and that self-limiting thought, as much as it comes from your, you know, you, and we all do that to ourselves in, in certain ways, uh, but it also came directly from society and from these norms and had, you know, planted this idea in my head that I was not good enough or worthy enough or, or, or whatever to do this thing and you can look at that in any area of your life right I'm talking about yoga but it's everything so as I'm continuing to practice and I'm getting stronger one day down dog doesn't suck one day the arm balance is there one day I'm in headstand whatever it is and I'm realizing along the way like wait a minute I can do these things so what does that mean <laughs> And I think that it was the first time that I proved myself wrong because I gave myself a chance to actually try. And that was the missing point, right? I was keeping myself so small and minimizing myself and, and keeping myself boxed in because I was so afraid of what other people were going to think. And I was so afraid of being seen. And I was so afraid of failing because I already felt like a failure. I already felt like I was seen when I walked into a room because I was usually the biggest person and, and I already stood out. So I didn't want to stand out any more than I already did. Right. So I never put myself out there and I never gave myself the chance to try new things. And so I wasn't growing and I wasn't I wasn't seeking out my own capabilities and the possibilities of my own life and and as I started doing that in my yoga practice and realizing how strong I was not just in my physical body but in every way you know the determination to continuously show up and practice and the willpower and and slowly shifting the internal dialogue and realizing that that was possible these were all huge lessons for me patience right waiting for the postures to happen I needed all of these lessons so badly in my life and I especially needed the chance to show up for myself and to self-empower and to build that strength and to learn those lessons in a, in a way that came internally and not externally and so as I continued to practice I started wondering basically like what was I not doing my whole life that I really wanted to do or wanted to try or loved or cared about that I wasn't pursuing out of all of these fears, these internalized fears that I had going on in my head. And that's when my reality started to shift because I started to feel like 
so many things were possible that I didn't think were possible before. And just that little bit of faith, that little bit of belief in myself is what really started to change my whole life. So in the beginning, when I started practicing, I started posting on Instagram. And this is where shit starts to get really crazy. So I started posting on Instagram and it's my, I don't know, junior year of college at this point. And this was right before. So how many years ago is this now? Like five, four, four years ago, something like four years ago. So this was like right before yoga was a crazy trend and body positivity was a crazy trend. Now it's like you turn the TV on, someone's in a shitty Warrior 2, out of a line Warrior 2 on a mattress trying to sell mattresses. Like I saw a Wendy's commercial on my Instagram today with people in an arm balance to sell salads. Like it's all over the place. And every company that you look at is body positive because they have their token curvy girl. Anyway, <laughs> so I started um, I started posting right before these things got really, really trendy. And I had no idea that there was this huge yoga community on Instagram or that, you know, the timing of everything was so impeccable and that all of these things, you know, blew up and went got super trendy in those following years. And I had no idea that was going to happen. But anyway, so I started posting on Instagram my own practice and it was a way uh, for me to sort of see myself in the postures and, and, and that was really self-empowering for me to watch my own progress and see myself in my body in the postures. And it was also a great way to sort of track my progress because it gives you the weeks. And um, because I was mostly self-taught when I went back to New Orleans, I could um, it helped me build body awareness because when you're starting out, sometimes you think that you're aligned in a certain way and then you kind of see yourself and realize that you're not. So it was a good way for me to tweak things for my own practice. And it didn't take very long. Over a few months, people started finding my page and people started leaving comments like, you know, I've never seen anybody who looks like you practice yoga or I go to a studio and there's definitely nobody who looks like me or you in the class and I can't find a teacher who looks like me and and I go to these classes and it sounds like they're not talking to me at all because I can't do half the things that they're trying to tell me I should be able to do. And all of these comments started popping up and and again, this is very early on for me in, in sort of this journey to figuring out who I am and my own self-worth. And so much has changed in the last three to four years. But I definitely felt the impact, even though it was small in the beginning. I felt the impact and I, I, I felt the importance of that visibility. And I didn't realize at the time that I had I was becoming this person that I needed. I was becoming this represent this representation of um, who I needed to see, but that's what was happening. And other people were looking at me and saying, oh my gosh, you look like me and I'm seeing you do this. And now I'm wondering if I can do it too. Right. And that's the exact process that I had on my own. So it continued to grow. And then Buzzfeed put out an article and it was like plus size yogis on Instagram to follow. And I'm in this article. And then all these things started happening and publications started picking up on it. And, and I was continuing to practice and I was loving it. And at this point, I'm coming up on my graduation from school, and I went to school for music business. I've been a singer my whole life, and I had originally planned to go to law school, and I was going to go to law school because people told me my whole life that, you know, you're logical and you're aggressive and you're blunt, uh, and you would make a great lawyer, and I loved music, and so in my mind, I figured, okay, I'll be an entertainment attorney, which is hilarious because I never wanted to be a lawyer, and I'm so happy that I'm not a lawyer right now. But anyway, so I'm coming up on graduation. I'm thinking about my options. And I think that this was the first time that I really actually listened to 
myself and what I wanted and not what other people expected me to do or what was going to be the easy thing for everybody else to understand that I wanted to do or whatever the fuck. And I did what I wanted to do. And so I moved home, which was crazy. If you know me in person, um, that was a leap in and of itself because I am independent and I like to be alone, but I had a different plan. So I moved home and I, I did my teacher training at Bodie Movement in Jackson, New Jersey, which is no longer there, but they, they travel and teach um, all over the world now, which is dope. I did my 200-hour teacher training. It changed my life 100%. I was stronger than ever in in so many different ways and and really just starting to get into the practice and and what I loved about it, figuring out what I loved about it even more than I already had. And then I started traveling and teaching these little workshops. And at the time I had, I don't know, I had like a decent following on my social media and that allowed me to reach people. So I would go to Virginia and and I would go to New York and I was on the East Coast. So I was staying kind of local and teaching workshops to, you know, open to all bodies and just open to all people. And very much so giving this experience, right, sharing the same thing that I'm telling you now um, with everybody in the room sort of to preface the workshop so that we could all understand that we were having a similar experience um, in whatever way made sense. And they started small, 15 people, maybe 20 people. And then it just continued to grow organically to the point where as I continued to kind of find myself and realize my worth and realize my passion and intentions and everything that I really cared about in my life, uh, and I'm still continuing to do that, right, coming home to who I am and and becoming this really authentic version of myself more and more every single day. And, and it's not an easy thing to do because you're constantly bombarded by media, <laughs> right? I'll just say media for the sake of like generalization. You're constantly bombarded by media and societal standards to need more or less or be more this and be less this. And it's, it's never, you're never enough. No matter what you do, it's never good enough. So if that's true, then who gives a fuck about your authentic self, right? There's no value in your authentic self if you constantly need something external to validate who you are. And that's kind of what they lead us to believe. So as I started realizing that that wasn't true and that I already had everything I needed within me and I just needed to let that live, everything in my life started to change, right? And people were reading my captions and I've always treated my my Instagram as like my diary. It's like my journal and I just let people read it. So it's really vulnerable and I f- I've shared everything. I mean, people know, you know, it, it's true that social media creates this weird false sense of intimacy and people think they actually really, really know me and you don't, but you do know a lot about me for sure because I've been really vulnerable. But in that vulnerability and in that openness and willingness to share, that's where the strength lies because we can come together and realize that we are having these shared experiences and that the shame and and all of this internal dialogue and the negative self-talk is not necessary and is, is very much planted there and is not who we actually are and and does not define or identify who we are. And so my message started to grow from, you know, anybody can do yoga. That's kind of how it started. It was like anybody can practice yoga. This is amazing. And I still very much believe that. And that's still very much a part of my message. But it's really blossomed into, you know, who are you and how do you want to live your life? And who are you living for? Are you living to appease other people? Are you living based on other people's perceptions? Or are you living for yourself? And are you feeding your soul and living in a way that actually makes you feel joy every day to be alive because it's literally a 
miracle. Um, and we should be serving that and serving ourselves and serving the people around us. So it's grown into this huge message of, of, of living authentically and compassionately and, and in a way that is awake and critically thinking and, and all of these things. And it makes so much sense that this podcast has happened. And it, I can't believe it's taken me so long to do. But what led me to the podcast specifically was now that I've been on social media for, I don't know, four years, I guess, and, and teaching yoga as my career, among other things, I write and I model a little bit and uh, do other sorts of freelance stuff, brand partnerships and things like that. But in the last three years, I've moved from this crazy timeline of being this person who felt this shame from being marginalized as a fat person through my yoga practice and coming into myself and realizing my own self-worth and letting go of a lot of that shame to now being involved in this conversation from, um, you know, a money-making and career-building standpoint where I'm actually involved behind the scenes and I'm now being tokenized, right? I'm now the same companies, the same people, the same magazines um, who ostracized me my whole life and marginalized me my whole life are now circling back because yoga is trendy and body positivity is trendy. So they're now circling back to me and now they want to use me and now they want to tokenize me um, for their bubble, right? This elitist uh, bubble that only encompasses a very small amount of people and tells everybody else that they are not good enough. And it's something that I've been struggling with uh, at least for the last year, right? I'm, I'm certainly, you know, not to pat myself on, on my own back, but uh, if there's one thing that I really feel strongly about, it is my own integrity. Um, and I feel strongly about that because it was not easy for me to find my authentic self or come home to who I am. And now that I know that, I'm not willing <laughs> to waver on it. And so integrity is everything to me. And I'm a yoga teacher. So the integrity of that practice and respecting that is important to me. And then at the same time, um, I'm here doing this as my career and making money. And all of those things are really complicated to, to navigate. And I've increasingly, you know, over the last year, I've had so many concerns as all of these things have grown. And I felt that I needed a place to speak more freely about them that is outside of my social media presence and, you know, not related to any brands or partnerships and, and just to create a space where we can have open dialogue and think critically and, and have these conversations that are uncomfortable because I've realized that those places, you know, those feelings of, of being uncomfortable when you lean into those, that's where the change comes from. That's where the growth comes from. Um, and until you acknowledge those feelings, the things that make you uncomfortable, the things that you are ignorant to, you're living in a bubble. And I don't want to live like that. I want to live in a way that is awake and aware and in tune with the world around me, the people around me and myself, right? Living fully and authentically and compassionately um, and in a way that is really true to who you are and your intentions and your passions. You know, what do you care about? What are you inviting into your life? Like these questions are all so important, but they ask us to think critically. And that's not something that we spend a lot of time doing all, all of the time. A lot of the time we spend our focus on things that are superficial, our social media feeds, what clothes you're wearing to your yoga class, you know, whatever it is. And there's so much more. 
than that. And those are the conversations that I want to have in this series. So we're going to hit everything from, you know, I want to talk about sex. I want to talk about, um, just like the list is so long. I want to talk about sex. I want to talk about being marginalized. I want to talk about body confidence and, and self-worth and, and these different journeys that we've been on. I want to give a platform to people who have been marginalized and people whose voices are not heard because I recognize that as, you know, a young straight, able-bodied, white girl, you know, I fit all of these categories of privilege and people listen to me because of that. And I recognize that there are so many voices that don't get value um, and are not heard because they don't fit into this box. And the farther and farther away you get from this ideal um, that is painted as what is acceptable and okay and perfect in society, the less people take you seriously and the less people listen. So I want to hear those voices and, and that's my intention in this podcast. So I'm going to share a lot from my own experience and my own standpoint, and we're going to hit a whole bunch of different topics, and I'm also looking forward to having guests on here so that we can really hear from some of those people who you might not get a chance to hear from otherwise, and and I encourage you, you know, if you feel uncomfortable at any point when you're listening to any of these podcast episodes, lean into that and let it kind of sit and simmer and then think critically about it. You know, do you need to make changes? Do you need to look at yourself? Do you need to pay more attention to the experience of others? Right? So the whole concept here is, is think big, think critically, um, and take a look at yourself in, in that whole process and see what you can kind of do from there. So I think I'll leave it at that for this sort of intro episode. And I'm, I'm really excited to see how this grows. And if you're listening, I'm, I'm so stoked that you decided to tune in and I can't wait to see uh, who we get on this podcast. And I thank you so much for tuning in and giving me a listen and I'll see you in the next episode. Hi friends, Dana here. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Deep Dive. If you want more radical truth, make sure you subscribe. You can also keep up with me across social media at Dana Falsetti or visit my website, danafalsetti.com to find workshops, speaking engagements, or take an online class. See you next time. Mm-hmm.